I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bringing the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. JT Van Gilder is here with us. JT, how are you? How was basketball last night? Basketball was a breath of fresh air. It's nice to see Bruce Weber did a lot of great things, but it's nice to have a you know fresh set of things happening and a team of basketball players instead of a team of just athletes. And, uh, you know, it was a one game against a pretty bad team, but, you know, it, it felt nice. <laughs> Just it was fun again. Basketball was fun again. It was great. <laughs> it was. It was. And Kansas State gets to play Baylor this weekend, so I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about Jerome Tang and and basketball later. But for now, let's focus on football. We brought in Matt Wilson. He's the manager at Our Daily Bears and also a co-host of Between Two Bears, which is a podcast about Baylor and stuff. I guess Baylor and stuff is actually a really good descriptor. <laughs> That's actually perfect. You guys started off just. And and JV, like you in particular, very ready to move on from the Bruce Weber experience. Like I, that came through <laughs> extremely clear. Didn't need any body language to determine that. And yeah, it's fun. I say it every time. I feel more of a kinship with Ema than really any other fan base in the Big Twelve. Why is that? Maybe because it's of you. Maybe because it's you guys. Maybe it's because you guys are the most level-headed, right? In terms of expectations versus reality versus like this is a bunch of sports and this is not life or death. Maybe it's that. I don't know. But always love talking to you guys. And uh, what is it? Ema Nation? What's the right way to say this? I don't want to sound stupid for the first time. <laughs> I mean, I That's guess close enough. Yeah, okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> So, yeah, speaking of expectations, I mean, let's jump into that topic, Mac. So I, I 
always thought, and I think I'm on the record somewhere saying this, that, that Baylor as a preseason favorite was a little bit overrated. I think some of the computer rankings definitely felt that way too. And, you know, felt vindicated early, but, you know, a little less so these last three games. So, you know, what's that been like for you seeing them kind of fall short of those expectations early, but, uh, you know, coming on strong right now? It's It's been a very interesting season from, as somebody who is like a self-admitted, uh, arrogant individual and <laughs> somebody who likes to exaggerate a bunch and somebody who was really optimistic and somebody who's optimistic to a fault, by the way, who is really optimistic about this team. I haven't lost that yet. It's just, it's shifted a bit, right? So the top ranking in the preseason, I think was deserved just because of the respect you probably need to give to the coaching staff and the players that were left, right? What Blake Shapin was able to do in the championship game, what, you know, that running game was able to do with all the offensive linemen returning with all of the defensive linemen returning. Like there was a foundation there to build upon. And, you know, you go play a nobody team like Albany and you win 69-10. You're like, all right, the numbers looked fine. But I think at that point, everybody could tell Hmm. Something. There are some really young pieces on the back end of this defense in the receiver room, in the running back room. Right. It just wasn't quite the same. And then, of course, you go to Provo and it's a tough environment and the team looks shaken and it's a loss. And I think at that point, everybody understood kind of how this season might go. Right. You have a young, a super young team, not quite gelled yet. And then, you know, we didn't know how bad Iowa State was at this point, but you you win versus Texas State. You go to Ames, you get a win in, in Ames, and, you know, everybody's back up, and, and then you drop one to West Virginia, right? So it's just the up and down of a young team. Now, that being said, the last three games, Kansas at Texas Tech in Lubbock and then at Oklahoma, right? We got really good shots. We Again, we, because I'm on the team. <laughs> Baylor got really good shots from all three of those teams, right? Kansas playing, I think it was their first full game without Jalen Daniels, maybe their second. I could be wrong about that. But Kansas comes in and plays relatively well. Baylor wins extremely comfortably. Texas Tech comes in and, and you know, they do whatever they're doing. I'm still not sure what's going on there. Baylor picks off their quarterbacks five times, coasts to a win. Oklahoma gives their best offensive showing outside of the three interceptions of the season and probably their best defensive showing of the season as well. And, and Baylor goes and gets a win in Norman. And over the course of the last three games, Baylor has really shown kind of what they showed last season, which is this ability to get stronger and better and more cohesive as the season goes on. We just won some more of those one score games last season, Oklahoma state and West Virginia, you know, there's three to four plays across the two games that probably change the results of those. That doesn't make them any less damaging or frustrating <laughs> for fans. But in terms of expectations, I think we are now finally at the spot where we can look at this team and say, this is very close, if not what we were expecting from the Baylor team on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and the offense has changed a lot. We'll talk about that a little later. But first, I want to talk about, you know, the defense. Uh, yeah, obviously, they still give up a lot of points to Oklahoma, and especially for reasons that are probably obvious to Kansas State fans. I want to talk about that. It seemed like they maybe had some issues stopping Dylan Gabriel on the ground. 
Yeah, there were there were some, you know, that's a really good question. I, I brought up that box score because I wanted to see exactly what the numbers were. If you look at the Oklahoma rushing numbers, Dylan Gabriel had nine rushes for 70 yards, right? Were those scrambles and, and or designed run plays? I, if I recall, most of them were scrambles, right? Okay. Like the very first pass play of the game, I think <laughs> I think all of the Baylor defensive linemen won at the point of attack. And just the pocket just kind of evaporated. And there was some confusion and nobody knew what to do because there's usually a pocket to fight around and to establish contain around a pocket that's there, <laughs> but it wasn't there. And Dylan Gabriel squirts out and there's some poor tackling in the back end. And, and that led to, I think, Dylan Gabriel's like rushing touchdown. That being said, you know, you, you look every week and it's not the same problem that's arriving for this defense every week. It's something different, right? Based on the opponent. And, you know, it, it, in preparation for potentially a running threat, you know, coming to Waco at that quarterback spot, I'm hoping that was a focus in practice this week. I would imagine it would be. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you say potentially, obviously, because Kansas State has, a, I don't know, JT, can we call it a, a quarterback controversy? I don't think there's a controversy. No. There's one, you know, the fans and, <laughs> you know, like I have my theories on what would have happened had Will Howard started. But the coaching staff's all in on Adrian Martinez, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. And I would hope so. And the the you know, uh, the team is like like Will Howard wanted to redshirt this year, like he didn't want to have to play if he didn't have to. And so, like I think he's perfectly content just going right back to okay, cool. I'm going to get keep my redshirt and not worry about it. Like I think everybody's cool with it except for us disgruntled fans that <laughs> thought that Will Howard could lead us to victory over Texas. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but I mean, how much of a difference is there between Will Howard and Adrian Martinez in the passing game? Because I mean, the other day, Adrian still threw for, you know, 320 some yards, which you don't see a lot from a K-State quarterback. He wasn't making any great touch passes or, or deep throws, but, you know, he was hitting right. 10, to, 10 to 15 yards down the field pretty consistently. And I think I saw something like that was like his best throwing performance of his career or something. I mean, it's, I mean, it was incredible. There was so much, so many yards after catch. He did a really great job of finding the soft spots in the zones and hitting, you know, Philip Brooks and Malik Knowles with nobody around them. And so they, you know, they're catching the ball at 10 yards and now they're getting 20 because nobody could touch, you know, nobody was close enough to touch him for 10 yards, which is what you want to see. I mean, it was a great game plan. Colin Klein, I mean, people were bagging on the coaches after the game and, you know, that I the don't last, know why. Well, they're like the last series where they ran a lot of clock and then like the one minute drill, which failed. But like Colin Klein called a great game for mm-hmm. a quarterback that can't throw 20 yards down the field. And can I, he threw can I ask a question? Yards. It was great. The 329 yards and, and rather efficiently, too. Can I ask a question, though? Speaking of expectations from a fan base perspective, has the Martinez experience met expectations, exceeded them, fallen short. I'm really curious to know because you've gotten the full experience in a couple <laughs> different games, but I, I don't know what I would think as a Kansas State fan. So personally, I would say if you take away the Tulane game, it has exceeded expectations. Well, here's the thing, though. Unfortunately, you can't. <laughs> right. Believe me, if we can take away games, I'm doing that too. I'm taking a couple games off the Baylor schedule. I'm take that that BYU game off. That is, that is that I loss does not personally look good take right the now. West Virginia game off first. But yes, 
how is Neil Brown not fired yet? Side point. Boy, buddy. <laughs> Anyways, uh, buddy. I'd, yeah, I'd say fire, right? at worst, he's met expectations. Like K-State's six and three right now. Like that's going into the season. You looked at the schedule like six and three, like, hey, that's not a bad schedule in our you know, bad record there. But then you look at who the losses were to and you're scratching your head. It was like you'd expect the loss <laughs> to Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and not Tulane. <laughs> Yeah, who looks unbeatable right now? They're they're just <laughs> a machine. Like I mean, they're five and zero in the AAC, and they should probably join the Big Twelve because just because <laughs> I love their logo and their colors. But and who wouldn't want to take a road trip to New Orleans, right? Right, right. It, it's it very fun. I did. I didn't get to go to the Sugar Bowl, but it is extremely fun. But I mean, the like that the Big Twelve, you know, title game is still well within you know the reasonable expectations. A trip to the Sugar Bowl is is still on the table. Like, I mean, there's still a lot of things ahead of us that are completely attainable. And I think that was the expectation heading into the season with Martinez. It's kind yeah. of a win now season. It hasn't always been spectacular. I from like his like personal playing ability, I think maybe he's a little under underwhelmed. I don't think he's run. I mean, he's run great. He's fast, but I don't think he's run as well as maybe. We had hyped him up in our dreams. Same thing with throwing. Like, he just, you know, we, we kind of hyped him up all off season. Like, oh, he's going to be so great. And he's so talented and he's a freak athlete. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah. no, he's, he's just a pretty good quarterback. He's all right. Yeah. You know, do you, uh, do you think the record would be the same? Have, like, if Will Howard was starting? Everything? Yeah. Uh, do you think Oklahoma happens with Will Howard? I don't know. If, Neither do I. That's the, that's right, the thing. Like, that's he, the crazy he really thing. showed yeah. me something two weeks ago. Like, anyway, like, I didn't mean to derail. We're us. talking about like complete hypotheticals. If the Will Howard that played against Oklahoma State was playing all year, then yes, I think Oklahoma yeah. still happens. And I think, you know, I don't think Tulane happens, but that's, you know, a lot of big ifs for well, uh, hey, it's college Tuesday football. night. ESPN is doing an entire show about what ifs. <laughs> every every Tuesday, so I think it's fair for us to. Do we'll just we'll just rest. enter the Mar- Marvel is universe. Animated, this like is the Marvel, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. But I will say, you know, Martinez has clearly exceeded expectations in terms of turnovers. Yes, yes, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I've been yeah. more impressed with that. I mean, he sure. was, and right up into the Texas game. I mean, that was, yeah. I think that kind of surprised us all. Like, oh, he finally threw an interception. He, yeah, oh, you know, fumbled yeah. twice, lost one, like. And, you know, I think I hope that actually, you know, gets that kind of fear of the turnover out of his system. Like yeah. it seemed like sometimes he was afraid to pull the trigger because mm-hmm. he, he wanted to, he didn't want to turn the ball over. And now that it's done, it's like, eh, whatever. You're not perfect. It's fine. <laughs> just go throw the ball. Just go make a play. We'll survive. But that does bring up an interesting point. If we can go back to the Baylor matchup. Yeah. Uh, the Bears, <laughs> the Bears defense. Leads the Big 12 in interceptions, and they haven't even played Missouri this season. So no. <laughs> I love I love sports hatred. Yeah, it, I mean that was kind of the the bugaboo. Like over the first couple losses, right? Baylor had the ability to turn teams over last season, and they just weren't doing it. Whether it be getting younger quarterbacks off schedule and taking advantage of that, or really anything, right? But over the last two weeks, eight interceptions, I'll, I'll take it personally. As a fan, I will absolutely take that. Yeah. And you could see some of it was 
just because of pressure up the middle. Some of it was just because of, you know, defensive backs playing in way better position. I mean, even going back to Texas State, right, you could see defensive backs playing with way too much cushion and just those like very, very soft zone and quarterbacks could just sit back there and pick it apart. I mean, we, we made Spencer Sanders look good, like throwing <laughs> against a soft zone. And that doesn't happen that often against us. So, but that improvement has Can't been relate. stark. Can't relate. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I still don't know what happened there. But over the last three weeks, it has improved drastically. So I, I hope that is a trend that is sustainable, but we'll see, right? Because, I mean, that that's what Adrian Martinez is going to want to do, right? Pepper things that are safe over the middle, let the yak monsters go to work, and, you know, make things happen with his feet. And so I think this is a fantastic point where both teams can gather a lot of knowledge. Yeah. And before we move on to Baylor's offense, I feel like we have to talk about the Bears' leading tackler, preseason first team, Albert 12 linebacker Dylan Doyle. What kind of impact is he having for the Bears? He is doing, I'm trying to figure out a different word other than everything, but he is doing everything. He is playing linebacker at a very high level, right? He's been decent in coverage. He's been amazing against the run, but he's also running the ball like every game from the fullback position. Like he gets one to two carries a game. It's weird. (laughs) Like in short yarded situations, he's in a lot of offensive packages. It's, uh, in, in short yardage situations only, right? We're not rolling him out there yeah. third and ten, but he's doing everything. And he looked like it at the end of the Oklahoma game. That whole defense was gassed, but he has played pretty much how we expected him to play. The rest of the linebacking core has been up and down, but Dylan Doyle has been the rock, man. For that entire defense, I would say he has been the rock. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, let's switch the focus over to the offense now. First, we'll take a quick commercial break to hear from our sponsors. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. And we're back. And so let's talk about Baylor's offense. And it seems first, let's start with the running game, because that's kind of where they've been doing stuff the last three games and it, it's kind of similar actually to the k-state quarterback situation in that your number one guy score williams went down richard reese stepped up and played really well but then williams came back and it's you know he looks like he's still the obvious number one at this point it depends on health right so last week everybody was expecting to see richard reese continue that pace of like 30 to 35 carries a game and it turns out he had the flu so he came in he ran the ball i think what four times or so but he just wasn't feeling it. He still scored, which I think is hilarious, but he, he, the flu was affecting him. He sat for most of the game, but man, that's where having squirrel Williams, Craig Williams, 
just on your bench, just there is really wild to be honest. Right. We, we went into this season thinking it was going to be Tay McWilliams and squirrel Williams. Right. We thought the kind of a thunder and lightning situation that Baylor, you know, harkened back to the olden days with, you know, a, a shock Linwood maybe. And, uh, Oh, Devin Chafin, right? You, you would have these pairings of uh, Lake Seastrunk is actually who I was thinking of, right? You have these pairings of your big bruiser back and your your spark. Well, it, that really hasn't worked super well for Baylor this season. We've kind of just, you know, established Richard Reese, right? This freshman phenom. He's improved every single game. He's been able to handle an insane workload. I think he touched the ball 39 times against whoever we played to get before Goodness gracious, before we played Oklahoma, Texas Tech, he touched the ball 39 times against Texas Tech and ran the ball 36 times. It's insane. So, you know, you don't want to give him that workload every week, but that's where you have guys like a Squirrel Williams come in and run the ball at a 7.7 yard per carry clip, you know, 25 times, which I never if you had given me odds on Squirrel Williams over under 10 carries in a single game this season, I would have been under. Give me the under. I don't care what the vig is. Just give me the <laughs> under, right? But Quaylen Jones, who is a massive human being, has come on a little bit stronger. He's making better decisions in those running lanes. And he is out to hurt somebody during a run. It is very, uh, it's not quite Abram Smith levels of aggression, but it's close. It is close. He is a large human being. They have him listed on football reference as 5'11", 230. I think he's like more like 245. He is a large Jeez. human. Um, Baylor roster lists him at 242. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Me, because I know more than BaylorBears.com, right? Um, <laughs> so, you know, if this run game continues as the way it is continuing, you'll just see a couple drives in a row, two, three drives in a row where that offensive line is just ready to go. They know exactly what they're doing. They know that they're running the ball, you know, eight times in a row this drive, and they will just do it. There is this, there's this thing always though, like the third drive, late first quarter, first, second quarter, Jeff Grimes gets too cute. And there's always like some sort of weird trick play. And if we avoid disaster on that drive, Thumbs up. We're doing great. And then we'll just get back to running the ball. I tweeted it a couple times during the Oklahoma game. Let's just get behind the big guys and run forward. Like if we can do that, we'll beat Oklahoma. And and sure enough, we did once we got back to it. The running game has been the reliable staple for this team. And I think it takes so much pressure off of Blake Shapin and allows him to go do the naturally talented things that he can do. Yeah. So JT, how scary is it to hear all that about the running game after watching what Texas and B. John Robinson did to Kansas State last week. You know, I can't say that I'm not uh, a little uh, worried. I wouldn't say, you know, like scared necessarily, but definitely a little concerned. And, you know, Baylor's no slouch receiving either, but I think the the talent matches up maybe a little bit better between Baylor and, and K-State than it did against Texas, where I think Joe Clarenman will feel a little bit more comfortable keeping that safety in the box early in the game as a third slash fourth linebacker of course it'll help if julius brents doesn't get ejected in the first series of the game and you can leave your future nfl corner (laughs) on an island where he (laughs) thrives uh (laughs) but uh yeah so they'll definitely get some chunk running plays the k-state defense has definitely allowed running backs to have good games not it's not like the 2010 defense where i could have run for 200 yards against k-state defense (laughs) i mean it was but 
I mean, they give up some yards, but they also make really good adjustments at halftime. You know, they give up a lot in the first half and then they really, you know, buckle down and start bringing those guys down the second half. So, but with, you know, with having multiple guys available for Baylor to really throw at us on the, on the ground at us, (laughs) then, uh, you know, it, it can make it a little bit more difficult, but I still think, I mean, they've already faced, you know, Bajan and, and Rashawn Johnson. Like, if you learn anything from that game, then they'll be a little bit better prepared for what Baylor can throw at them. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, JT, to be fair, you know, you were you had a lot more speed back in 2010. So. Yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> I was, I was but... sort of in shape in 2010. <laughs> Still a six-year of college. I mean, I you know. No, but Matt, I mean, you talked about allowing Blake Chapin to do what he does best. You know, what are his strengths and what is he able to do well? I'm sorry, Blake Chapin? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question, right? He throws the ball way better than Bohannon did. It's just the top of the defense is always a threat to be popped off, right? You have guys like a Monterey Baldwin. You have a Gavin Holmes that can just right there split the safeties and Chapin can hit them. Where it gets a little sketchy is if Blake thinks the pocket is dissolving when it actually isn't, or if Blake, you know, for some reason is really determined to make a big play when something underneath is wide open. That's where we start to get a little shaky. If, you know, there's some disguising there that Kansas State likes to do, you know, Blake Shapin might have a rougher day. But other than that, if he is confident and he's processing quickly, he can make every throw on the field. It's just a matter of how confident is he in the line in front of him? How worried is he about the how much time does he think he has? And is he willing to take off with his feet? There's been a whole internal conflict for me about should Blake shape and slide or not? He stopped sliding against Oklahoma. It was awesome. I think it's way better than him trying to slide. I'm all for the can't slide, won't slide Blake shape. <laughs> so if there is one specific weakness he has, it's, it's probably just that always trying to make the play instead of taking the play that's given to him. And, you know, it's, it's bitten him a couple times, BYU, West Virginia. It, it's been there. Yeah, just be careful about sliding against CCU. They'll, they'll get you. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, you mentioned that with the volume and looking back at the big 12 preseason first team, there's a couple of linemen and then tight end Ben Sims are both on there. You know, are those guys living up to the hype. I really thought that Ben Sims would have more counting stats than he has this season, but he's played very, very well. If you look at some of the other contributors, right? This wide receiver room took a while to really figure out who's going to play, right? Josh Fleeks went to the transfer portal, right? It was a refiguring out of what the hierarchy is in that particular room. I really think that Gavin Holmes is starting to get more comfortable after the injury, right? You have guys like Drake Dabney, who's probably he's out for the season, but Drake Dabney really stepped in well at that tight end spot. But now you have Josh Cameron, the other they have him listed as a wide receiver on PFF, but he's a, he's a tight end. He is a large individual. Josh Cameron is establishing a really good reputation. Jordan Neighbors is really starting to come along, you know, not only in the passing game, but in the running game as well. The end around with Neighbors has scored a couple times now. So there are guys that are stepping up right? The absence of a Josh Fleeks isn't as glaring as we thought it might be. You have guys like Monterey Baldwin who are stepping up and performing on a week-to-week basis. And then Hal Presley, right? Hal Presley, the ball winner, I think, has played really, really well. So they aren't names that a lot of people know yet, 
but they are playing well enough to get the job done. Uh, and I'm really, really curious to see what the game plan is, especially in those first two, three drives. What has Jeff Grimes seen in the Kansas State defense that lends him to think Holmes can have a good day? You know, maybe it's Ben Sims again. Maybe it is Josh Cameron, right? What happens? Because the fans don't know what to expect, really, from a receiving perspective week to week. So it's always fun to see. Like a Jordan Neighbors end-around touchdown. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> that's when I tweeted, like, you know, Jeff Grimes. He is in his bag right now. Like, because mm-hmm. it's it, everything's kind of a surprise this season. It's really fun. Yeah. Another thing that is fun about this game, I think, is you've got two coaches who have shown no fear in going for it on fourth down in some kind of untraditional situations. Mm-hmm. And K-State, maybe JT, that's a little bit because they don't trust the kicking game as much as they normally do. But still, it's been kind of fun to see. It has been fun. And that aggression was there last season. It's still there this season. I think there's even been a couple of like third and sevens, third and fives that, you know, we've run the ball and whatever happens, happens because we know we're going for it. So fourth and five, I think there's been a couple of conversions there. So it makes me a little nervous when it's longer than fourth and two, but the success has been there. And, you know, the first drive of the Iowa State game, there was two or three fourth downs where Baylor, you know, decided to go for it. They go up and they never look back. So, you know, especially in those early game situations, if you want to set the tone for how this game is going to go, if you want to play with a lead, hey, punting does not give you a lead. So I I think this coaching staff kind of knows what they are going to do before it happens. And it's been successful so far. Yeah, I'm firmly in team no punt, never punt. But uh, but that team was that was extremely the rarely punt. I think yeah. is is where I'm at. Yeah, yeah if it's like fourth and thirty five, yeah. and you're you know the line of scrimmage is the four, like yeah, okay, punt, that's fine. Right, but, but like that yeah. set the tone for K State against Oklahoma State a couple yeah. weeks ago. Was that it was a it was a fourth and five, and there was a false start. They stayed out there, fourth and ten, scored touchdown, and never looked back. And Oklahoma State tried to match and got stuffed, and then they were done for. So, yeah, it can go both ways for sure. But uh, yep. I would, tech. I would rather look be what's aggressive. happening in the Lubbock. When it blows yeah, up, yeah. it blows up. Yeah, I, I would yeah, rather end up being aggressive. Yeah. Since we're talking about punts, just a random question here: If there was a, a punt snap that went over the punter's head and straight back about forty yards, and then the punter kicked it away and was tackled by a guy trying to block the punt, would you think that was roughing the punter? No, you know, I actually was thinking about this <laughs> doesn't seem like it as, should be, as, doesn't it? as stupid as it is. I was thinking about this yesterday, like for probably too long. I haven't seen the play, so I'm just going on theory here. Oh, right. God. But I, I know what play you're talking about. Yeah. Just for our listeners that happened in the Missouri Kentucky game, Missouri was trying to come back down by four and, and Kentucky did that on a punt and they called a roughing the punter. And basically that ended Missouri's chances of winning the game. I, I think you're still a punter, right? I, I think the rule is... Apparently is the rule is technically if you're inside the tackle or whatever, and the right. tackle goes straight back all the way, which seems dumb. But I understand both sides of it, which really sucks. I hate being in that position. I understand why it was called that way, and I kind of agree with it in this situation. Yeah. Okay. That's not really what I wanted to hear, Matt. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Too objective. Too objective. I, I respect you guys so much. I come on here and I could just do the between two bears thing where we say Kansas State stinks. They stink. But I like to be as honest as I possibly can with you guys. This is like therapy for me. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. 
And actually, I, I should say that's something where, you know, normally at the end of the podcast, I would say, go listen to our, our guest things. Kansas State fans, do not go listen to Between the Bears podcast we, this we, week. We Earlier do in the season, before Adrian Martinez really started playing really well, we did a, a recurring segment where Evan would try to guess the Adrian Martinez passing line and for how many <laughs> yards, and I would have it up in front of me, and then we would just have a big old laugh. And I hope I hope we get to play that again this upcoming week, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, let's, before we switch to basketball, let, let's get predictions for the game. What do you think, Matt? What do you see happening? Man, I think if you are asking fan Matt and optimistic Matt, I look at how Baylor has improved and emphasize what they do well and remove the things that they don't do well at increasing rates over the last three weeks. And I just think at home with, you know, controlling their own destiny, this team comes out fired up. I believe it's a night game. There's like an unofficial blackout that's in the works, which won't go well. If it's not, (laughs) if it's only fan base, I don't know how that's going to go. I just think this team comes out, plays with a lot of energy. I think this offensive line plays a lot better at home. And I think Baylor's able to run the ball somewhere between how they ran it against Oklahoma, like at, 5.6 yards a carry or so and between what texas did what the seven and change yards per carry with what they did and are able to control the game well enough maybe there's one mistake from the kansas state offense and baylor wins by seven but this kansas state team you know has an effective pass rush this kansas state team has the ability to put points up i think I don't know what the over-under is, but I I see this in like a mid-30s, low-40s game. Really stressful for both sides. I'm not super excited to watch it, but but I think Baylor gets a win at home. I think that's the deciding factor here. Not extremely decisive, not super comfortable, but I think Baylor gets a win. So call it, I don't know, 41-35. Okay, okay. It looks like the over-under is 53, by the way. Oh, slam that over, in my opinion. Slam <laughs> that. Really? Hold on. I'm going to do this live. I haven't, I haven't done it yet. That's what my ESPN live. app is showing me. So. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're slamming that. Yeah. So, yeah, right. I think it's going to be really fun. And the winner of this game, you know, gets more national recognition because I think it's a really big game for both teams. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you think, JT? And keep in mind, you know, Chris Kleiman... Texas and Baylor are the two teams in the Big 12 he has not beaten yet. Yep, and K-State hasn't won. K-State has one win in Waco in the last 12 years. Since essentially the full round robin, K-State has one win in Waco, and that was 2016 after Art Bryles had been you know, ushered out, and it was Jim Groby, and that was the only time K-State's won Robe. in Waco. Look, I'm Robe. not one to Sorry, defend. sorry, sorry. I'm not one to defend him, but I will say it is Jim Grubb. Sorry. Sorry. I apologize. That was, that was a while ago. I've, I've slept since then. Uh, so I, it, it scares me for sure. And my only hope is that the bears get caught looking ahead to the big rivalry game the next weekend with the undefeated horn frogs and that they slip up just enough and, you know, it ends up being a real, you know, close game It you know, looking Kind of like the inverse of of the Iowa State game, or or it's not the, worst the, the West Virginia game, where it's you know forty to forty three, and it was ugly and stupid, and <laughs> somebody wins and everybody loses, and <laughs> so yeah, I I'm, I don't feel comfortable with this one at all. Yeah, yeah, 
it'll be it'll be interesting for sure. Well, let's switch over to basketball. Or oh, sorry, oh, KT. Man. I just say as long as it's not like raining or like yeah. weirdly cold and raining on Saturday. So it seems like it, I, we yeah, always get like the worst weather in Waco. On, yeah, on oh, that's K- very true. Facebook. I hadn't considered that angle, but yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, but we'll switch over to basketball now. Where you know we're recording this Tuesday, so then the night after opening night, where everybody's feeling optimistic, unless you're in Oklahoma or maybe a TCU fan. But you know, Baylor and Kansas State cruise to big wins like they should. And Matt, first of all, just I mean, your perspective from Jerome Tang, obviously. You know, he's really endeared himself to Kansas State fans quickly here. It's cool, you know, that he talks about family and you can see he really displays that and just seems like they're having so much fun out there. And that's easy to do at this point when you're winning. You know, obviously the tougher thing is is keeping that fun mood if you start facing some adversity. I How think you can handle that. Yeah, I think it's it, it's fun now because it's exciting. And I think that will continue. I mean, Jerome Tang is, by all accounts and purposes, everybody you talk to, one of the most genuine people in the world, right? And I think that reaps benefits that, you know, don't show up, obviously, to everybody. I think that program becomes so much healthier, right? I'm really, I don't know anything about Bruce Weber, but I I just think that it's a different energy, right? Right. And, you know, just the day-to-day logistics probably changed. I don't know about drastically, but I would assume Jerome Tang is doing things his way, the way that they were done at Baylor. And I cannot help, but I still follow Jerome Tang on Twitter. I don't do that with any of the other former coaches, you know, that spent time at Baylor. And it's, it is really heartwarming to see all of the updates that I get. And it's also very sad because I wish he was still at Baylor fantastic guy. I think he's a great leader. I think this Kansas State team, they will have some struggles this season, but it's not because they don't have the right leadership in place. I think talent will develop. I think talent will be brought in. And, you know, it is honestly slightly concerning that there is another top tier coaching staff in the Big 12. Uh, because we're doing what we can to get Kansas out of the way, but having another no nights off in the big 12 best basketball conference in the country. And it's, it's yeah. only going to get better. You know, it's funny you mentioned Twitter because I actually still follow Alvin Brooks, the third on Twitter, even though, I mean, he's been at Baylor for a while now. Great guy. I think Great I still guy. follow him as well. See random Baylor things pop up. I'm like, Oh, Hey, I still follow that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Love him. Love him. Yeah. Yeah. But you get things like he got the student section. Uh, somehow it worked it out. Like got the student section to sing one of the players' happy birthday. Yeah, while he's yeah. on the court in a game, and isn't it great? But just I mean, even, they're just out there having fun. They're they're doing things yeah. because they care about each yeah. other. Like, right. and, and I think there's in in college and pro sports, I think there's mm-hmm. such a reluctance to express caring about another person, right? Caring about the guy next to you in the locker room. And that is not something that Jerome Tang or Scott Drew or anybody that he brings into that staff or program will be afraid to do. And I think it's a really, really powerful thing, not to get too existential on it, but I think it means a lot. I, I really do. I was just, you know, cool to see after, I mean, even after the the exhibition game, but but definitely after after Monday night, like him just standing on the court, and just like smiling. He's like a kid. I mean, just excited and happy. Like yeah. we won. The fans are here. It's it's just it's college basketball. It's just the best thing. And he's just, you know, like it's so great. Yeah. And then it was kind of funny when so after the game, Kansas State's Southern reporter asked him, 
about the students, and he said, "Oh, the students were amazing; they were great." Now we just need the rest of Manhattan to get here. <laughs> yeah. Calling out all the rich people that mm -hmm. drive in from so, Kansas City. Which the other thing I wanted to just uh, as a side note, and I, I doubt Jerome Tang had anything to do with this, but for anybody who turned the game off earlier, wasn't watching last night, you know, UTRGV had a guy from Liberal Kansas on the roster. He came into the game. The students actually got so excited that they actually started booing his teammates when they weren't passing him the ball. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> and then oh, when he started, it. when he was guarding in case they played with the ball, they were cheering for him. Well, so so Stan Stan got confused on the TV because I, I thought it was hilarious. Like they were cheering for the Kansas kids, so the K State's got a kid from Manhattan, okay, like from Manhattan, Kansas, and <laughs> and so like they wanted they wanted both of them to just shoot the ball and score, yeah. and so they yeah. were upset that they weren't getting past the ball like both ways. <laughs> like they just want the Kansas kids to succeed, no yeah. matter what, yeah. which is great. I mean, that's that's a, a great part of college sports. You're not going to see that anywhere else. Yeah, but yeah, it it's like, hey, that I know that kid. He's from my hometown. I'm gonna cheer for him, even though he's on the other team, just cause, because mm -hmm. <laughs> it's college and I can. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, where that goes, and obviously, I mean, the expectations are not going to be super high for Jerome Tang. He doesn't need to be spectacular this season. Meanwhile, in Waco, I assume the expectations are pretty high there. <laughs> there's a there's a monster <laughs> building. Look, I don't think the fan base has been this excited for a freshman since man i don't know that this fan base has been excited about a freshman the way we are about keontae george this kid comes in with a reputation as a scorer like an instant bucket can do everything he he needs to on offense and you know he'll be our you know last knife in the bag right into the shot clock he can go create his own shot cool that's great extremely talented but what I was most impressed with, of course, against terrible competition, but he was so bought in on defense and sharing the ball. He is one of the most unselfish five stars I've ever seen in my life. It has been fantastic. Then you look over at the rest of the backcourt, which is absolutely loaded. Adam Flagler yeah. looks like he's very healthy and you know doing things that he normally does, but at a higher level. You look at Dale Bonner, who who played really, really well last season, but there were some, you know, deficiencies in his game. Looks like he can shoot the ball now, that which is scary. You look at LJ Cryer, who's healthy and shooting the ball crazy. I bet, he, you know, it, it would not be crazy to me if he shoots more than 50% from the field from three. It would not surprise me. This team lacks for front court depth, you know, with Jonathan Chamachachua, you know, still recovering from that horrific knee injury that he sustained last season. He might not play the season. He might miss most of the season. Nobody really knows. So that leaves you with Flo Thamba, who's played very well. And then you rely on a freshman or a, a junior, maybe he's a senior this season in Zach Loveday, but like it's Flo Thamba and then kind of some question marks, right? Josh, I cannot pronounce his last name. I'm not going to try Josh. O. um, <laughs> Poor guy. I mean, he doesn't deserve that from me. He has great <laughs> footwork. He's very soft touch, like, but he's a freshman and he's, he's made some freshman mistakes. I really think this team playing together in Canada at global jam was really cool to see and, and really beneficial. This Baylor team is going to be the, the expectations. I think for this team and the fans are to compete significantly or win a big 12 championship and, and go deep in March. So yeah. it, it's going to yeah. be a fun season. Yeah, it will be. And we're going to have to leave it there. Let it go. I will say there's not a lot of non-conference matchups I'm more excited about than Baylor versus Gonzaga. 
Oh, I, I really hope they do fun. join the Big 12 so we can beat the pants off of them <laughs> twice a year. I don't. I want nothing more. As long as they beat KU, I'm fine. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, Matt, as always, enjoy you coming on. You know, people can follow you on Twitter at Matt is Bear. Check out your stuff in our I Daily Bears. If they dare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they dare, yeah. Uh, yeah, at Matt is Bear on Twitter, very specific life choice. But we have a ton of really smart people doing a lot of cool, fun things over at Our Daily Bears. And then, yeah, between two bears with Evan and myself, where it's very light on Baylor content, more about um, who's feeling pain after the previous weekend. And, you know, let's focus on that. That's more what we do. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. So, yeah. 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 Yeah.